Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Canadian Gamers. It's episode 106 to be exact, and once again, unfortunately for you, but fortunately for me, I'm all by myself. Steven has ditched me yet again. Something about life and renovations and all this BS, and I'm just laughing because I'm like, he thinks he knows what busy is. Anywho... Um, so it's just me, uh, been going pretty crazy with uh, school schools ramped up big time right now. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a little bit hectic. Ah, I got my nice glass of ginger ale beside me and I'm just going to walk you through a great podcast and i think it's a great podcast but that's because i i mostly made it up so we're gonna start with the two subjects that steven actually recommended i discuss one being bungie leaving activision and the other about metroid prime 4 being restarted so we'll start with bungie leaving activision if you guys didn't hear this essentially Bungie has left Activision. They're no longer going to be affiliated with Activision in terms of their uh, releases for Destiny. And now, if you recall, this was a really big deal, right? When Bungie left Microsoft and was no longer going to be working on Halo, everyone was like, oh boy, like, what's going to happen? You know, like, what's going on with this, like, illustrious developer? And then when it was announced that they were going to work on some, like, you know, 10-year, I think it was something like that, like a 10-year contract with Activision, people were like, oh, wow, you know, like going with the big, biggest uh, third-party publisher out there. That was, like, a really big deal. But now they have sort of uh, broken out on their own, and in, their games are going to be published by Bungie directly. But I'm not sure how this is going to go. And I don't mean this in a negative way. Because Bungie isn't Activision in terms of just the sheer amount of assets that they have access to or resources that they have access to. Under Activision, there was a lot of resources these guys could pull on for their games. But that said, there was also the politics involved with Activision in terms of how to release the game, uh, DLC and all that kind of crap. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens now that Destiny is completely in control of Bungie and Bungie can do literally whatever the hell they want to do with it. So it's going to be interesting to see how this develops over time. I think personally that this this could be very, very interesting for Bungie. It could prove to be a valuable way for them to sort of expand their their offerings, shall we say. The only thing is, like I said, they don't have access to all of these resources now. So I'm not entirely sure. Like, Destiny 2 was sort of like a mixed bag. I really enjoyed the first Destiny. But the second one, I never had time to because I had already started school and everything. And I don't know how... I just don't know how it was... um, How it was really truly perceived. Because I know a lot of people that played it did not like it compared to the first one. And so that leaves me wondering, you know... Who made the mistakes with the second Destiny? Was it Bungie or was it Activision? And that's ultimately the real question we have is who actually made the mistake here? But we will never know. Uh, We'll find out soon enough. I mean, once uh, Destiny 3 hits the uh, ground running or 
at least like future expansions to Destiny 2, it's going to be interesting to see how this develops and how players react to a full Bungie release where they're publishing it, <clears throat> excuse me, and they're and they're developing it and so on and so forth. So it's going to be very very interesting. Now, in terms of Metroid Prime 4, this was really interesting news. I actually thought this was uh, very powerful in the sense that developers rarely come out and talk about games that aren't developing as well as they want them to. Most cases, they don't even announce such releases. They'll just, you know quietly cancel the game or go in a different direction or whatever and the one that i think of the most is titan which was supposed to be the follow-up to world of warcraft it was supposed to be an mmo to end all mmos it was supposed to have every feature you could possibly imagine and it would even do your dishes for you from blizzard and this game like it was talked about it was never really truly officially you know, like, there was never a gameplay trailer as far as I recall, but it was acknowledged, and they, they openly talked about it, like Project Titan was what they were working on, and it was cancelled after, my god, like, what, eight years of development or something crazy like that? And it's it's just, it's rare for, for that kind of stuff to happen, where it just, you know, it comes out in the open and public, and what's even rarer is when a developer actually confirms it. And so for Nintendo's boss there to come out and basically say, well, one of their bosses, the lead developer on the Metroid series, to come out and and actually say, listen, you know, we're we're having some problems with this. Uh, this is not going as we we thought. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and scrap this and restart with Retro Studios, the guys that made the first three Metroid uh, Prime games. And that really blew my mind because this is so rare. This is so incredibly rare for that to happen in today's day and age, let alone, you know, the fact that, like, they're they're humbling in a way. And, and anyways, I was just, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked that they did this. And I, I think this is a really great precedence to set because why all the secrecy? You know what I mean? I don't understand. Like, if you're working on a game and it's not going as you want, like, just come out and openly say it. We're like, listen, uh, we're we're having a little bit of troubles with this. It's not turning out as we thought. We're going to go ahead and have to delay the game because we don't want to release it uh, in its current state. And I think that's really good on Nintendo for that. Now, there's rumors saying that this was, uh, I believe it was uh, Namco Bandai, I want to say, like Singapore or something like that. Uh, I really, I'm sorry, uh, we don't, like, I don't know, right? These are rumors and speculation, so we just don't know. So if that's the case, and it was them, that's kind of unfortunate for, like, you know, a new studio and not to have, you know, the big win under their uh, under their house. That kind of sucks, because, like, you want to have that win to help you get, you know, more funding for additional games in the future. So that's just... It's a little bit unfortunate that that had happened, but I'm I'm happy that Retro Studios is going to be working on it. Although I got to admit that most of the guys, most of the main main guys behind Metroid Prime have long since left Retro Studios and Retro Studios has been working mostly on Donkey Kong games as of late. And that brings up another point that I wanted to mention. 
You know, it kind of sucks being a a developer for Nintendo, like actually being owned by Nintendo must really suck because you get stuck working on the same things over and over and over and over and over again. And it's like, you know, I know everyone right now, they're all loving Smash and everyone's having a blast with it. But could you imagine that, like the guys making it like it's like, okay, you know, we had this huge hit. Can we please do something else like we don't want to? always work on the exact same game forever and ever and ever and so i get that and i'm kind of wondering also what's going to happen now because these guys have not done a game retro studios has not made a game in a long time and i think their last one was tropical freeze like donkey kong country tropical freeze and if i'm not mistaken like that was released a long time ago now like we just got the deluxe version on the switch but the original version now was what probably like six seven eight years ago so well maybe not maybe not quite that long ago but it's been a while and so i just hope that metroid prime doesn't cause the cancellation of whatever uh retro studios was already working on and another thing is about Metroid Prime Trilogy. A lot of rumors are saying that that is actually finished and was ready to go like this year. But Nintendo will most likely now delay that closer to Metroid Prime's release. And you know what? Depending on the schedule that Nintendo has for this year, that's actually not a bad thing, right? I understand that some people are like, you know, release it right now, you know, build up the hype and this and that and everything else. Well, I mean, yes, if there was nothing else... If there's nothing else, sure, go for it, right? But if you already have a lineup of titles prepared and this doesn't really coincide with um, with your release schedule, then yeah, it's okay. Hold it, hold it off a little bit closer until you get to um, until you get to the release of Metroid Prime Four. Now, when I say that, I mean you should give people you know, six months, eight months, something like that prior to the release of Prime 4. You don't want to release it too close to Prime 4 because then obviously people won't have a chance to go through three different games. I mean, we're talking Metroid Prime Trilogy here. Uh, but at the same, by the same token, you don't want to release it uh, too too late either. So you don't want to release it too close and you don't want to release it too late. So I think honestly, like eight months to a year, I think would be uh, would be good. Maybe a year. Yeah, maybe a year. A year before Metroid Prime 4 comes out would be would be really, really good. It's just, I don't know in terms of marketing how they're going to actually, you know, release this and make this like a big hoop-la-la. I'm not entirely sure. But I'm very excited for Metroid Prime 4. And I'm actually, I think I'm more excited about the Metroid Prime trilogy because I haven't played Metroid Prime 2 since uh, since the original GameCube release, and I haven't played Metroid Prime 3 since the original Wii release. I bought the Metroid Prime trilogy just because I thought, you know, it would be cool or whatever, but I didn't like the, the motion uh, controls. And I know, I know, some people love them. They think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, but uh, that's just me. All right. Now, the other three things that I have lined up for you today, and I'm looking at the time and I'm like, wow, a whole 11-minute podcast. I'm on a roll, baby. Uh, so there's two things that are related to Dragon Quest I wanted to to talk about. The first one was about Dragon Quest Builders 2. I have a review up. It's done fairly well. Thank you for that, everyone. 
And I'm really enjoying the game. I think it's fantastic. I finished the main story, and now I'm working on the post-game, where the post-game is mostly about a vacant island where you just try and do all the... Like, each each subsection of the vacant island, I think there's like four of them, have their own series of objectives for you to do. And there are usually about 20 objectives per subsection, which grant you a number of mini medals. So for each thing that you do, for example, it might say like uh, build a, a restaurant or something like that. And there's no real direct parameters on how to build a restaurant, but you build your restaurant and you'll get a mini medal for that. And I think think i think in this game there's 90 mini medals i'm i think i believe i read that i uh, picked up the strategy guide for the game because now that i finished the game that it's a good it's a good resource to have just to give you an idea of like okay so there are additional weapons that i can get there's additional armor i can get okay so there are 90 mini medals and you know and so on and so forth stuff that you don't really get in the game. It doesn't tell you, like, finite details. And it's also useful because now I can just go and see, like, okay, is this something that I really want to do? And I do. It's uh, it's really fun. It's, it's the perfect game for me right now because with school, I just don't really have that much time. So I'm just looking for something that I can pick up on the Switch and, and play, you know, every now and then. And uh, and that's exactly what I'm liking about this. There's also a couple of other islands that you have to unlock with hearts. Hearts are what you get from villagers when you make them happy. And you make them happy by doing exactly what I just said, building those different uh, rooms and restaurants and harvesting uh, crops and stuff like that. So, been having a really, really good time with the game, really enjoying it, and at the point right now where I don't know what the next game I'm going to play is, because I'm just really, really, really enjoying this. And my other Dragon Quest topic that I wanted to talk to you guys about, just quickly, is the international releases of Dragon Quest as a whole. Now, I know this is a subject that we've spoken about probably, gosh, I don't know, quite a lot over the last number of years. And it's it's something that's always bothered me in the sense that why aren't we getting more Dragon Quest games in the West roughly around the same time or if not the same day as their Japanese counterparts. I don't really understand this anymore. And it, it does affect other series as well, like Yokai Watch is another example, where you'll have the Japanese release, and then months, if not years later, you'll have the North American and European releases. And I find this incredible in today's day and age, because in I, I'm currently taking a, an MBA, and in the MBA, I find it fascinating because they're teaching you about global expansions and how to slowly build up your brand and things like that. And it's it's kind of staggering in the sense that Dragon Quest, uh, we'll, we'll focus on Dragon Quest, but it's applicable to, to other series as well that happen to follow this sort of model, is that you, in order to really gain traction in a foreign market, you need to supply that foreign market with what they want. Now, granted, I am a fan of this particular series, so naturally I'm going to be a little bit biased. And on top of that, they have access to metrics that I don't. So, for example, how well did Dragon Quest XI sell? 
Did it sell two million, one million, five hundred thousand, twenty billion? These are sort of things that you know we have rough estimates based on the NPD and things like that. But the truth of the matter is, Square Enix knows right down to the last digit. They know like unit rather, not digit. They know precisely how many units have sold. And I'm just curious, like, is this meeting their sales targets or expectations? And first off, were those forecast models actually realistic? Or were they just, you know, plain ridiculous, like based off madness? Because they really should be supplying these games at a quicker pace. I don't understand. We are now, at the time of this recording, it is February 9th, Saturday, February 9th, okay? And on December 20th, Dragon Quest Builders 2 was released in Japan. So we are almost, like, we're coming up to two months between releases. Why? Why why couldn't Dragon Quest Builders 2 be released last December in North America? What, why, what, like, what prevented that from happening? And I understand there's translation work and all this jazz, but guys, it's 2019. It's not like it was years and years and years ago. These guys have access to ridiculous amounts of translation groups, organizations. Hell, just outsource that if, if you don't want to do it in-house. And there are companies all over the world that will do it for you. And yeah, of course, the different quality levels and stuff like that. But my point being, if you're trying to build up the Dragon Quest brand in North America, and listen, they've been doing a really good job. You know, they released Dragon Quest Heroes 1 and 2, Builders, Builders 2, they confirmed is coming out in North America. They released Dragon Quest 11, all good stuff, right? Like really all good stuff. Even though we had a second Dark Age of the Dragon Quest series just a number of years ago, between Dragon Quest IX, essentially, and Dragon Quest XI, we got, you know, not that much after the DS games wrapped up with uh, Dragon Quest VI, uh, the uh, DS port of that. There really hasn't been that much. And so it's great. It's absolutely great. I'm not complaining that we're getting these releases. I'm just wondering why they're not releasing these games as an international event like with Dragon Quest XI. Why was that not ready day and date with the Japanese version? I don't get it. You do it with Final Fantasy. You'll do it with, you know, uh, Pokemon. You've got Monster Hunter now doing the same thing. I don't see why Dragon Quest would be any different. Because having to wait all this time just screws things up. And it guarantees you. It's not even an estimate. It, It guarantees you that you will miss games, that there will be certain games that will never make it to North America. And the reality is I did a video showing all the 3DS games that will never, never come to North America as part of the Dragon Quest series, especially in particular the Dragon Quest Monsters games. Like, we missed out on an entire generation of games. Like, three games plus the special versions and stuff. It makes no sense. It just makes no sense to me. I don't get it. And... When I, like, I'm experiencing Dragon Quest Builders now, and it's, like, it's an amazing game. Like, you guys would love this. If you like Dragon Quest Builders, you're going to love Dragon Quest Builders, too. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal game. And I don't understand what the big deal is. I just don't get it. I don't understand why Square Enix doesn't have 
their strategy line up so that they could do this. And I get it. Like, Dragon Quest X really screwed things up for the series in terms of releases because they were like, oh, boy, right? Like, we've got a massively multiplayer online RPG. There's no way that this is going to sell in the West. So, you know, forget that. And for many, many years, that was the focus of the Dragon Quest series. I mean, for what? Like, six years, I think it was, or five years it was the main focus of the Dragon Quest series. Like, Eleven wasn't even thought of. They were like, no, no, we're going to release Dragon Quest X, and then an expansion, and another expansion, another expansion, another expansion, so on and so forth. And this is precisely what they did. This is exactly what they did. And it was only, what, two years ago when Dragon Quest Eleven came out in Japan, where it was like, oh, well, okay. But we had to wait practically a whole year before Dragon Quest XI was released in North America. And now, the reason why I even bring this up is because Dragon Quest XS is, that's the Switch version, is already being hyped in magazines and elsewhere in Japan, and there hasn't been a word of it in North America. We know that they did confirm that it will be coming at some point, but they haven't actually specified any details about it. And that has me a little bit nervous because I look at that and say like, okay, if they're already hyping it up in Japan and we're not even getting a boo on it in North America, then yeah, we're probably not going to be getting this day and date. Even though it's a translated version of the damn game, I don't think we're going to be getting this like day and date. And the only way we're going to know this for certain is if Nintendo holds a Nintendo Direct. If they hold a Nintendo Direct, then we'll have a really clear indication of what's to come. Because over in Japan, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a Dragon Quest XS event that they're going to host to talk all about the game. And probably at that point, we'll get a release date and we'll find out if there's going to be any, you know, special edition switches or anything like that coming out with it. What are going to be some of the new features and and so on. Now, unfortunately, they've practically confirmed that the 3DS version of the game that had you know, like the wealth of extra content in it will not be included in the Switch version. The Switch version is only going to contain pre-post-game content as a, a couple of additional quests and things like that. So that's kind of unfortunate because the post-game on the 3DS was absolutely sick. Absolutely sick. And that remains my favorite version of the game because of it. It's also a harder version of the game, which was... Uh, which was Awesome. I mean, I just, I really, really loved it. Although, to be fair, I have not played the hard version of the North American version, so I don't know what that's like. So all this to say, I hope that Square Enix wakes up and realizes that in their strategy for Dragon Quest that they absolutely need, need to start to think of this as a worldwide franchise. And I understand that it sells better in Japan. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that doesn't mean that you can't make the series an international celebrity, right? Like, you you can do it. It just takes some time. It takes a lot of money. And it takes effort. And you need to really put an emphasis on these worldwide releases because it's the next logical step. But we'll see. We'll see. So the last topic that I have for you today is something that I've I've actually been thinking a lot about discussing. I wanted to talk about this with Steven, but he's always a big loser and he's ignoring me all the time. But I wanted to talk about the complications that a career makes 
in the life of a gamer. Now, this is something that, you know, parents can say the same thing, right? Having kids obviously changes your gaming, your gaming, like, style, shall we say, or your gaming habits. There's no, no, no question about it. When you have a kid, I mean, you just don't have the same amount of time as you had before to invest in gaming. And a career works much the same way. You, depending on, on the career, of course, but like if you're trying to better yourself, if you're trying to like do what I'm doing right now with school and stuff, if you're trying to move into a higher level position, this sort of stuff requires a lot of reading, a lot of time devoted to, you know, extra work and things like that. And again, what happens to your playtime? Well, your playtime, I'll tell you, goes right out the bloody window and that's pretty much the end of that. And it's interesting because while I was in school, your responsibilities are significantly less, right? Like you don't necessarily have a family or a significant other or anything else. So you're basically living at home. You go to school. But outside of that, you have all the free time in the world. But once your responsibilities pick up and you start to really have you know, you have to do the dishes, you have uh, cooking to do, you have chores to take care of, and so on and so forth. It really starts to become harder and harder and harder to game because you just time, right? You just don't have the time. And once you throw a career in that, then things get even more complicated because it becomes even more challenging in order to better yourself, like professionally while still maintaining game time and game time is is for me right now i granted right now i'm also like doing an executive mba so obviously it's going to be a little more challenging than it would be if i wasn't but even even before i did this i would be coming home and i'd read a few business uh, books and things like that and then of course you know like i i i have some time for gaming but this semester, this semester, I actually said, you know what, like, I need to make some time for me. I absolutely need to make some time for me. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And, and I've barely had any time for me. <laughs> That's the truth. Just because you have so many assignments, you have so many other things to do that it's it's virtually impossible to have any you time. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation that happens. And it's funny because it happens to us all. And I know that some people have made it a priority to to keep their game time. And I just thought it was interesting. And I'd be very interested to hear from you guys with your like with the careers that you have. Like what what occupation do you actually hold? And how has this affected your game time and, and how you play games? Like I used to buy all kinds of games. I'd have them all, you know, sat beside me, all wrapped up and barely touched them. And today I don't buy anything i bought dragon quest builders 2 and i bought the latest uh, super mario brothers and those are the two games that i've basically been playing that's that's it like that literally like that's it that's all and i've been playing you know like what 20 minutes a day if that and that's virtually nothing mario is perfect for that because you know you play a few levels and put it down and that's it and that's actually what you guys are watching right here some of the worst gameplay you've ever seen of mario it's uh utterly fantastic so i'm curious to hear what you guys have to say about this just general topic and i know like i said some people will be like oh yeah no problem man i game but i'm curious to know what do you actually do so for me i direct our continuous improvement program 
and I also do some consulting on the side and that just that eats up so much time it's incredible and throwing in the MBA on top of that has proven to be just like OMG it's proven to be damn near impossible just doing these videos for you and I only do a few are unbelievably challenging just just unbelievably challenging so I'd love to hear what you have to say about some of these topics. And as always, our podcasts are live every two weeks. Try to alternate between Nintendo fanboys and Canadian gamers, depending on, you know, the hot topics of the day. And that's pretty much going to be it for me today. Can't really talk more than half an hour. It's it's hard to do with Steven not here to push my buttons and to tell me, you know, different things. So hopefully I can convince him to stop being a little baby and to uh, come back on here next uh, for our next podcast. But if not, I'll be sure I'll have something to discuss with you. All right, everyone, I will catch you in two weeks. Have a fantastic time, and please leave a comment. Let me know what you think on uh, some of these subjects. All right, everyone, take care.